Fritjof Schuon, Stations of Wisdom. Chapter 6, The Stations of Wisdom. <clears throat> Human nature comprises three planes. The plane of the will, the plane of love, and the plane of knowledge. Each is polarized into two complementary modes, which appear respectively as renunciation and act, peace and fervor, discernment and union. The will is divided in a certain sense into an affirmative mode and a negative mode, for it can only accomplish or abstain. It must either do good or avoid evil. In spiritual life, the negative attitude comes in principle before the positive or affirmative act, because the will is a priori entrenched in its state, natural since the fall, in its state of passional and blind affirmation. Every spiritual path must start with a conversion, an apparently negative turning round of the will, an indirect movement towards God in the form of an inner separation from the false plenitude of the world. This withdrawal corresponds to the station of renunciation or detachment, of sobriety, of fear of God. What has to be overcome is desire, passional attachment, idolatry of ephemeral things. The error of passion is proven by its connection with impurity, corruption, suffering and death. Footnote 1. Gnosis objectifies sin, error carried into action, by referring it back to its impersonal causes, but subjectifies the definition of sin by making the quality of action depend on personal intention. The moral perspective, on the contrary, subjectifies the act by identifying it, as it were, with, its, with the agent, but objectifies the definition of sin by making the quality of the act depend on its form, and so on an external standard. End of footnote. The divine prototype of the virtue of detachment is purity, impassibility, immortality. This quality, whether we envisage it in divinis or in ourselves or around us, is like crystal or snow or the cold serenity of high mountains. In the soul, the virtue of detachment is a spiritual anticipation of death and thereby a victory over it. It is fixation in instantaneity, in spiritual motionlessness, in the fear of God. The will, as we have said, must both deny and affirm. If it must deny by reason of the falsity of its habitual objects, which are impermanent, it must, on the other hand, affirm by reason of its positive character, which is freedom of choice. 
Since the spiritual act must assert itself with force against the lures of the world or of the soul which seeks to engross and corrupt the will, it involves the combative virtues, decision, vigilance, perseverance, and it is in turn conditioned by them, not in its unique actuality, but in its relationship with duration, which demands repetition, rhythm, the transmutation of time into instantaneity. The spiritual act is on its own plane a participation in omnipotence, in the divine liberty, in the pure and eternal act. What has to be actively conquered is natural and habitual passivity towards the world and towards the images and impulsions of the soul. Spiritual laziness, inattention, dreaming, all have to be overcome. What gives victory is the divine presence which is, quote, incarnate, as it were, in the sacred act, prayer in all its forms, and thus regenerates the individual substance. The symbols of this spiritual station, that of combat, victory, pure act, the symbols of this spiritual station are lightning and the sword. It is indivinis, fulgurating and invincible perfection. And in man, holy anger or holy warfare. But above all, the inward act as affirmation of the self. Capital S.